Good morning. Morning. I'm Pastor Clay, for those of you who don't know. Uh, brief introduction, I'm Clay, and I work over in Pelham now, but I was on this team for quite a while and uh, uh, spent formative years here and just am super grateful for Celebrate Church. And uh, my wife and I, we have a standing, standing answer. If Andrew or Camille call us and say, hey, would you come over? We say yes. If we can, we say yes always, because um, we love Knoxville and we love you. So but I want to start today. So the title of today's sermon in the series, Let's Go, but it's explain, all right? So I, I had this idea this morning about 5 o'clock. I remember something I used to do with the Celebrate Youth, and I want to see if you would do it with me today, okay? So we would do this. Um, uh, I think we're talking about technology. I don't know what. Technology can be bad. We can all agree, right? right? But you can do some good things with your phones. And so we would, at the beginning of our time together sometimes, we would text a couple of friends and say, hey, uh, pastor up front says, I'm supposed to text you and just check on you. And is there, is there a specific way that I could pray for you this week? And so they would text that out beforehand. And then we would get messages back all throughout. And we'd write them on the whiteboard. This is why I want you to do that. So I like to ask, I know this is a house of worship and prayer. That's what this house is. That's what you guys do. And I have found in my life, if I ask them if I can pray for them, they generally give me very vague, very distant things by and large. And I say, that's great. I'll pray for that very vague, distant thing. But I want to pray for something specific for today or for this week. Because when the Lord intersects with your story and the Spirit comes, you will recognize it because we just talked about it. And it happened this week, and I can talk to you about it later. So at the end of today, I, want, so I actually want you to guess your phones, if you're willing to. If you don't have a phone, that's okay. You're a great person. That's a good job. Write it on some paper for later. But I actually, I, I, want you to write, I want you to write this to someone too. Because sometimes when you ask someone to pray for them, uh, they don't know what to say right away. So, but if you text them, they have it, right? It's in writing. And they can see it. They can think about it. And you know if they opened it, right? Can you still do that on phones? On thing on phones? Can you, you can tell if they opened it, right? They read it. And you can follow up with them. But when it's in writing, they see it. And they can give you a really specific thing for this week. All right? So I want you to do that. So if you have your phone, think of someone. They might even be in this room. They could be sitting next to you. I don't know. But someone say, hey, I'm supposed to pray for someone I love this week. How do I pray for you this week? Okay? Because I, I want to give you a chance to do what happens in our passage today, and that is explain something. All right? I see some people doing it. I'll bring it up again later if you don't want to. So I want to start with that, right? So we're going to explain some today. I'm going to read the passage, but as I read the passage, I would love to solicit some conversation. So I want you to talk to someone next to you and to me, perhaps. So as I've read this passage, Acts 18, 24 through 19, 7, something has just jumped out at me, and it keeps jumping out at me. And so I'm going to talk about that today, but I'm curious what might jump out at you. I wonder if there's some similarities. And uh, what I love about reading Scripture with other people is they see things that I don't. And I love seeing that. I love hearing that. I love different perspectives. So I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to ask you to talk to someone next to you for just a moment. Say the one or two things that stands out to you, and then I'll ask if anyone wants to yell it at me. that sound good? So we're going to be in Acts 20, 18, 24. We're going to read through 19.7. You ready? All right. Oh, it's on the screen too. Oh, yeah. I, I apologize. My translation might be different, okay? 
So his mind says, so hear the word of the Lord. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they are baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. People of God's word of God. All right. You're going to talk to someone next to you. What, what resonates? What jumps out? What sticks in your mind? What, what did you notice? All right. So talk to someone next to you. And then if you're willing to, I'm going to ask you to yell at me during church. Sound good? What jumped out at you from the passage? Go. All right. Great discussion, great discussion. As you're wrapping up, does anyone want to yell out what they what they hear, what they noticed? Anything? Huh? Say again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks for your thank you. I appreciate it. Anything else? Anybody? I'll say what I what I saw. John's baptism reached Ephesus. Yeah, it got far, right? Really far. It got to Egypt. That's kind of wild. That's good. Yeah. Anything else? Isn't that interesting? So what, so what did he know? We'll talk about it. I don't know. That's kind of fun, though. Thank you. Anything else? All right, this is what struck me. I am struck. So two stories, and they're tied together as they're both involving John's baptism. Two groups, no same baptism. And as I read about Apollos, and we'll look at Apollos more specifically, but I think he's a snapshot of the 12. Apollos knows his stuff. He's impressive. And he let somebody explain to him what he didn't know. Apollos is humble. 
And I have been struck by both their humility. Because to hear an explanation, I have to receive the explanation. I have to want somebody to tell me what I don't know. I don't know if we're very good at that right now, by and large, in our culture, right? We are, in more than any other time, we can ne- never actually even talk to a person that you might not agree with to hear their explanation. I can listen to somebody talk about that person very easily. But we don't really live in a world where we have to actively engage with people who might explain something new to us. Much less let them to want for their explanation. So see, a wise man says to me a lot, he says, Clayton, you have to make a decision in life sometimes. Do you want to be right or do you want to be righteous? So righteous, when I say righteous, I'm talking about in right relationship. That means there is relationship. He says, if you want to be right, oftentimes you will lose your relationship. If I say, but hey, if I'm right, you can't be right. But if you're right, then I can't be right. And if I'm not right, then you're right. It just gets very confusing, right? And we live in a world now, too, where everybody can be right, so everyone's truth can be accurate. Is that right? So you can have your truth, I can have my truth, but that doesn't make sense because that doesn't really make sense with truth because that doesn't, that doesn't even work really, right? So if I'm right, you, it's just very confusing. But we live in a world we all, like I, I, I like to be right. And I like to read people who reinforce my being right. Does anyone else do this? Apollos is ready for a different explanation he welcomes the conversation, welcomes the dialogue. The 12 do the same. They, their way of thinking is different. I am struck by their humility and my own lack of humility. And I've just sat in this now for a couple weeks, and I'm just blown away. So what I wanted to do today, oh, hold on. I got a story about not being coachable. I thought it was funny. Because, so, uh, sorry, jumping ahead. So to receive, to receive explanation, I'm an athlete, old athlete. I always think about being coachable. I had a wise person once, to, he once told me that if you want to be good, you have to be coachable. If you're not coachable, you'll never be any good. Now, I don't really like that word here, co- like being good. So when it comes to this, I think if, if we're coachable, we'll become who we were intended to be. We'll become the person we were supposed to be if we're willing to be coached. And the coach in this passage, I would say, is the Holy Spirit. He wants to come and he wants to coach. But I don't like to be coached. I have so many stories but not want to be coached. Should I do a music story or a more recent story? Yeah? Yeah? So I was in the fifth grade. And uh, 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 in fifth grade, when I was growing up in Pella, that's when you joined the band. But to join the band, you had to give up your lunch recess which is the best recess of the whole day, right? That's the highlight of a fifth grader's day. A fifth grade boy's day, lunch recess. You, you establish your teams in the first recess. Lunch recess, you get to actually play. It's the best. And to join the band, you had to give up lunch recess. And I thought for sure my friends would not want to do that. They all did it. So I joined the band as a trombonist. Trombonist, is that how you say it? I played the trombone. And I was the second to last chair. Obviously, not very good. 
Well, there was a reason, because I never practiced. I didn't want to practice. It started with playing the recorder back in like second or third grade. I didn't like the recorder. I didn't want to practice. So I'm playing band, going to my band lesson in sixth grade now with Mr. Hoskins, I think. And I think it was the worst part of both of our days. I hated it. He hated it. And one day I go in to play with him. And he says, Clayton, he says, do you like basketball? I was like, yeah, I love basketball. Do you practice basketball? I said, I practice all the time. He said, well, band's the same way. You have to practice. I said, well, I don't think I'm going to practice. So I quit. <laughs> but now, I was standing with Andrew in the back today, listening to our musicians discuss music and how that they can hear and do. And I'm like, man, I sure wish I had not quit band. Music, I can appreciate music, but I cannot participate in music because I was not very coachable. I didn't want to be coached. Apollos, and you will see this dude, he's like the best guy in the band, and he wants to be coached. So this morning, I'm asking you, will you be coachable with me? Can we all be coached together? Yes or no? All right, let's do this thing. So in the story, we'll, we'll work our way through. There are two groups. There's two baptisms, and there's an unknown. We'll discuss the unknown, and the result of this I think of the unknown is understanding grace, and it leads to worship, all right? So first, I want to talk about the two groups. So this text is oftentimes paired together because they deal with the same things. And so uh, um, uh, one commentary said, you need to take this as one story, essentially. So that's what we're doing today. So, but let's talk about Apollos, because we actually learn more about him, and I think he could be similar to some of the 12. So let's, let's learn about this Apollos guy who wanted to be coached, all right? So it says here in verse 24, Apollos is a learned man. So he's from Alexandria. That's Egypt. It's one of the great learning centers in the whole world. Uh, early church after this, some of the most brilliant minds, greatest theologians come from Alexandria. So this place is, I mean, this is like learning off the charts. He is incredibly intelligent from the, one of the best places to learn. So he's a learned man. He has thorough knowledge. The word there actually means he has powerful knowledge. So what he knows is, like, he is powerful in it. I'm not even sure what that even means, have knowledge that is powerful. Um, it says that he had been instructed in the way. Some commentaries think that that means that he was a leader. So he actually was leading people in this way. So he's a leader as well. Um, he spoke with great fervor which means, the word actually means boiling. When he speaks, he is boiling. Can you imagine this guy talking? He is powerful. He is learned. He is boiling, and he is accurate. He, he is right. He's saying the right things. He knows his stuff, and he speaks boldly, which means that he is just supremely confident. So this guy is a powerhouse preacher. He brings the heat Paul had been there, and he, uh, he had had some struggles with some, with some of these people. And he is bringing the heat, and he is impressive. And then two people who listen to him talk, two tent makers who listen to him talk, say, hey, would you want corn for dinner? We need to tell you where you're wrong or what you don't know yet. And he says, okay. And he goes. And they get to explain. Same thing in the next story. Paul. Paul's similar, right? 
those 12, but he's also a tent maker. And they let this tent maker correct them as well. Both stories. Normal people say, hey, you're missing some stuff. Let's share a meal. Let me talk to you about it. And they both say, yes. I was trying to imagine, like, I'm trying to, like, make, like, a connection, like, in our world today. Can you imagine, like, whoever comes to mind when you think of a powerful politician, whoever that is, I'll let you choose. And one of us says, hey, I need you to come over to my house. I got to explain some stuff to you. Could you imagine them saying, sure, yeah, tell me what I'm missing. Tell me what I got wrong. It's like that kind of a situation. A powerful person who wants to learn. It's like, oh, wow, this Apollos guy. He's such humility. Why, why does he have, with all of that, why does he have this humility? Well, I think we find it in the baptism that he knows. So it says that he only knew of the baptism of John. Now, I've done some learning on John's baptism. It's different than our baptism, okay? It's not the same. I heard some people call him John the Immerser because that helps some people think differently about what he's doing. So John's not baptizing like we baptize, okay? So in John's, in, in this day, there, there's something called, a, there's, it's called mikvah. And there are two different kinds. So the first mikvah is a ceremonial washing of your hands. It's what you would do before eating. Jesus got in trouble for not doing it by some Pharisees before. And there's a second kind of mikvah, and that's what they're talking about here. And what it was, it was a baptism of repentance. So they were, John, uh, John in Matthew 3, talks as he's preaching to people about his baptism. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's what Jesus said. But he says, there's a voice of one calling in the desert, one who's coming. He says, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So a baptism of repentance, it's actually a beautiful thing, was a person recognizes that they have lost the path. So these are Jewish people, right? And they would recognize that there's a lot of, so there's the Ten Commandments, there's lots more commandments. I heard a person say recently that it was like a manifesto for how to live. It's like a way for us to live. All these, we think the rules, but they're a way for them to live. And so they knew all of those. And so a person who is a baptism of repentance was saying, I am not living like that. I have lost the path. And in front of people is saying, I, I'm off the path, but I want to get back on the path. And they would dunk themselves and come back up. So it was a, you baptized yourself. It was, you recognized you need to change, and you were saying, I am going to change, which is a wonderful thing, right? Would you do that? Stand in front of people and say, I screwed up. I'm not, living, I'm not living the way I should live. I know that about myself. So I'm going to baptize. I'm going to dunk myself. So that was what John's baptism was. But why, why were they doing that? To prepare themselves to be ready for something else. So Apollos and these 12 were ready to be coached. Their whole life was around repentance, changing how they think, changing how they live, because they wanted to be ready when the one came. They wanted to be ready to partner with him, but they didn't know about him. It says in the scripture, that he, they taught about him accurately, but they didn't, 
I read some different things. No one's quite sure what Apollos and those, they, what they knew. So did I do the map in the slides, Ezra? I don't remember if I did or not. So in the map, so somehow, like you said, John's baptism has moved around the region. It's gotten to Ephesus. It's crossed the water to Egypt, apparently. So it's, it's being known. So what, what, what did they not know? I don't know. It was a great, it was a great observation. But as I was thinking about today, I thought about Acts 2. Acts 2, Peter talks. Peter preaches. And he begins by saying, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain. Let me explain what? Well, it's wild, right? You guys probably remember, you've been Acts for, for a while now. But... So these people who are following Jesus, right? Jesus dies. They see Jesus. Jesus leaves, but they are afraid. They're so afraid about the future, about what's going to happen, about authorities and rulers. Are they going to come and get us? What's going to happen next? They're, they're, They're so scared. And then something happens. The Holy Spirit, the one Jesus promised in the upper room, I'm going to send somebody to you, and you just hear Jesus' excitement. I'm going to send somebody to you, and he's the best. Like, you actually want Jesus, you want me to leave so the Holy Spirit can come to you. It's going to be that good. Like, this is, this is the best case scenario for all of you. So what I, what I need to do, what I need to do, but then you really need him. I actually, this morning, I thought to myself, I wonder what Jesus' face looked like as the Spirit flew in a room and a bunch of people who were so scared all of a sudden are are, they're they're boiling they're bold they're could you imagine his face to watch somebody who's so scared all of a sudden like and they go out and start preaching. And what does Peter preach? Remember, what is, what is Apollos? What are the 12? What do they not know? I don't know. But uh, Peter explains a lot. Let's see what Peter said. Peter said, I'm just going to read the highlights. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. They will speak for me boldly. They're going to speak. They're going to have visions and dreams, even service. I'm going to pour out my spirit, and they're going to prophesy. They're going to be bold. They're going to speak. Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth, who did miracles, wonders, and signs, we put him to death. Peter says you, but I I was a part of that. We put him to death. But God raised him from the dead. Because it is impossible. It's impossible for death to keep its hold on King Jesus. Whew. Man. And then King David, he's quoting scripture. Peter is, I saw the Lord before me, King David said, because he's at my right hand. He's with me. I will not be shaken. These fearful people are now 
bold people. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. I'll talk about this king. I'll worship this king. Seeing what was ahead, David spoke of the resurrection of Christ. You know, as I thought about us here today, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the unknown is for you. I don't know what the unknown is. Maybe someone here today just has been afraid to speak. Not today. Maybe one of us needs to know, you know, I think. The other week I listened to my dad talk and he said, what if, we're talking about a series about things that are lovely. He said, what if confessing, confessing your sins is lovely? Because it's so freeing. But we have to know that we're selfish and that we do sin. So maybe, maybe that's the unknown today for someone in the room. I see, I've been doing this all by myself. I need someone because I can't do this. Maybe someone in the room needs to know there's resurrection. Maybe someone in the room has lost someone they love recently. And today's the kind of day where you need to hold on to, there's a resurrection. There's a final day. There's new bodies. There's a day coming. I think people, I don't care what you believe. I think we all want the day, which is in here to come. I think we all want the day when everything changes to come. I, I read my news feed the other day. I was like, man, everybody on there, they all believe different things. They all think different things, but they're all wanting the same thing. They're all wanting King Jesus to come back and make things right. They just don't know yet. Maybe because they, we need more people to want to explain. That's why I wanted you to text somebody earlier. I want to give you a chance, me too, chances to explain. At the end of the day, I'm gonna, I might have you put hands on each other just so we can be bold this week. We'd be bold enough. We'd, we'd be boiling to where we are, oh, I'm ready to tell them. I'm ready, I'm ready to, Spirit, help me. Help me to say the right things, right? But what if? Back to the, the, the sermon. So seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection. God has raised this Jesus to life. And Peter says, we all saw it. We are witnesses. There's a ton of us who have seen it. Exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he has now poured out what you see and hear. So what you see and hear from us fearful people is not us. It was people empowered by the Holy Spirit. This Jesus is both Lord and Christ. And when the people hear it, they are cut to the heart. The Spirit just... And they say, what shall we do? Peter says, repent. You get change. Change how you think. Change how you live. You get me different. Then he says, and be baptized. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus. For the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I was thinking about this powerful Apollos who has been, baptism of repentance is one of, it's one of waiting. 
It's one of, it's, self, it's self-propelling. I, I know I've fallen off the path. I know I have to do this. I'm try, I, just, I, I wonder, I wonder. I read, I read scripture and I wonder a lot. Was this powerful man just broken open? He was working so hard to do the right things. He was right and accurate. I think he was just broken open. And the spirit cut through his heart. I think that because here, when he leaves and he goes to Achaia, he was a great help, but Luke makes sure to mention, to those who by grace had believed. Paul's finally understood the gift of grace. The gift of Jesus. The gift of the one who, he's the only one who came from heaven to earth, lived, died, descended, came back to earth, went back to heaven. The way, the truth, and the life, the one who knows the whole way and has experienced all of our humanity. I think Apollos was just, finally. What do you think? Don't you want the Holy Spirit to just, to just come rip-roaring in here right now? I sure do. I find, we, when we sing, it's the strangest thing. We sing songs of, uh, hmm, where am I going right now? Not sure. I find myself wanting to be convicted more. Man, we get to become like, we get to have the mind of Jesus, to be like him, to love people, actually love people, which means to will their good. To be humble does not mean to think less of yourself. You're thinking less about yourself. You want other people to know about Jesus. You want other people to be in right relationship. I don't want to be right most of the time. I'm wrong most of the time. I just, we live in a world where it's like if you, don't, if you don't make a right statement right away, you're wrong. And then when later on you find out you were wrong, well, then you're still wrong. I'm like, no, oh, man. So as, Jesus, as, as Paul talks to the, to the other 12, when he lays hands on them, they speak in tongues and languages. They prophesy. They're, they're speaking on behalf of the Lord. I just had this thought for today. I'll have to fight the band up here in just a minute. Uh, what if, what if, speaking in tongues today, is simply worship. What if, to be, a, to be bold, to be a spokesperson, what if we really 
worship. It seems like when the Spirit comes, that's a result. Like Judd said, my favorite things to think about, I think about all the time, I'm so glad that God is God and I'm not. I would be a horrible God. Amen? The Spirit comes and he, he just, he, he aligns us and we become people that people want to be with. We become people who are really patient with other people. Right? Because I know me. And I know my story. And I know how long it's taken the Lord to get a hold of me. And I've seen how long it takes for me to change. I'm really good at, at jumping into people's stories and thinking that they're wrong right now. Not thinking that, well... What if I maintain relationship with them? What will happen in their lifetime? I heard a beautiful story from a friend, and he uh, was going. He's a, he was a pastor. He's going to visit somebody who was uh, he was about he was about to end his days on this earth. And he's like, I was, I was going there to to try to do what Peter did. He said, I showed up at the person's house, and the garage door was open, and there were two chairs, a table, and a Mountain Dew. He's like, what? Are we going to sit in the garage? So he walked up, and the person said, I know why you're here. I just talked to the Lord. We sorted it out. It's going to be okay. Three weeks left. And sometimes in life I find I want to fix somebody right now. And sometimes it might take a little while. I might, then, I feel like I'm rambling right now. Are you getting what I'm saying? Ish? I'm just struck by the humility of Apollos. I'm struck by the humility of the 12. They want to be coached. And then they wanted to worship. So I invite the band up. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just say, we know you're already here. Um, we know you are within many. Um, I pray for anyone in the room who, uh, um, who you might not be dwelling within right now. That they might, uh, along the way that only you can, there's, there's this beautiful piercing of our hearts. Even though sometimes it, I don't know, it can seem hard and beautiful and challenging and exciting and loving all at the same time. So I pray that would happen. That today somebody would, would repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. And I pray for those of us who, uh, who have walked with you and who have loved you I pray somehow Peter's message encourages. I pray that uh, the Spirit, you, you would elicit a response of worship. That we would worship you because you are worthy of it all. 
You're worthy of it all in the best of times. And you're worthy of it all in the hardest of times. You said, Jesus, you were leaving, that you'll be with us always to the very end of the age. And you do that through your spirit. So I pray for just a real sweet sense of you, spirit. Oh, we're so grateful you're God. So grateful that we're not. Sprout, we pray we would worship you because you are. 